This podcast is brought to you by Touch a Life. Hi, welcome to Business Influencers. My name is Chris Salem, your host. We want to welcome all new guests and listeners to our show. Again, we continue to grow here at the Touch a Life Foundation radio platform called Tal Radio. And again, if you have any questions in terms of any subject matter content that you would like to hear for future shows, feel free to reach out to us at Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Today's show is being brought to you today by Alumni Direct. Alumni Direct is a new social media community platform dedicated to bringing alumni together from all different generational types, an opportunity to meet new people for the first time, and rekindle any old relationships that you've had from your past. This is a membership program, meaning that it takes all the noise out of social media, so no more of those notifications that can bog you down. You get allow yourself to come in at any time to generate genuine and authentic relationships and share content that resonates with you and the people that you're interacting with. And plus, since this is a membership program, you'll be eligible to receive a wide array of different services that can be relevant to your personal life and business that are not offered to the general public. If you'd like some more information about Alumni Direct, check them out at alumnidirect.com. That's alumnidirect.com. Well, we have a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about leading a living organization. This is going to be really a good one and very interesting content you're going to hear today. We have our guest here, Vitaly Gaiman, and he is passionate about enabling others to lead with an owner's uh, mindset, which he terms disruptive leadership. His work involves liberating CEOs from being the only ones who can make a high-level decision, freeing up their time to be more strategic and creative. His goal is to help create high-performing executive teams that lead highly entrepreneurial, customer-inspired living organizations. And without further ado, we welcome Vitaly Gaiman to the show. How are you doing today? Hi, Chris. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure. Well, we, we are such a such an honor to have you. And I, before we start, Vitelli, let's talk a little bit about getting some clarification around first, what is disruptive leadership? And then if we could talk about the concept of a living organization. Okay, okay. actually it's distributive. Leadership. Oh, distributive, okay. excuse me, my bad. <laughs> distributive leadership, my bad. Sorry. But it's highly disruptive. It is yeah, highly but it, disruptive. But it is disruptive in a good way. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. It's perfect because I love the. I never thought of it. It is very disruptive. It is. Uh, well, I, I'm going to break the rules of interviewing, and I'm going to ask well, you. That's, and, and that's disruptive, <laughs> and we encourage that here at Business Influence because disruption to us is a good thing. It makes things that's move right. forward. It's <laughs> right, and this is going to be a perfect example of what I'm talking about. So, as a leader, um, you know what I would do is I would say. Hey, Chris, what a great question. Why don't you try to answer it yourself first? Well, Chris. I would say, you know, distributive. When I think of distributive, I would think that in order for leadership to really have impact, we have to be that example. We have to be that. We have to continuously through self-leadership, self-awareness, or which is emotional intelligence and self-regulation to really learn how to lead ourselves. Because we can learn to lead ourselves through our exam, through our communication, our behavior, our attitude, our emotions, how we respond versus react to situations of people and our action. We, through that consistency, we're inspiring people to now see that 
whether if they know it consciously or subconsciously to perhaps now do that for themselves. So that creates that. So that in a way is distributing that leadership to other people that when we could all lead each other, we lead ourselves. We can then as a team lead upward moving forward. So that's kind of like how I look at it, but I'd love to hear what, where, you, you know, your perspective is since you are the originator of this uh, distributive leadership. Well, I'm definitely not original. I steal everything from everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Disclosure. Well, I don't know where I that's a great thing about leadership is transparency. <laughs> we, like, we love that. <laughs> no, I stole it from somewhere. I can't remember where I stole it from. So that's, no, I didn't steal it. I borrowed it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, but I just love the word distributive leadership. Oh, and there's so many ways of it. I think you got the essence of it, though. It's like, first, it's role modeling, right? It, it's kind of like, um, you know, we said that at the start, we're going to talk about a living organization. And uh, what is a living organization? Well, first of all, it's a living being, right? Where a leader is a living being, recognizes himself not as a machine, but as a living being. And it's very much, in some respects, very much like families. I mean, fam- if you think, the best example is family, right? You have mom and dad and kids and so on, right? Okay, dad is a leader of the of the of the family, or kind of mom is a leader of the family. If the the kids look at you, not what you say, but what you do, right? They're going, dad, really, honestly, you're telling me to clean up the room, but look at your mess, right? <laughs> and so, even a three-year-old can work this one out. If the leader doesn't <laughs> doesn't walk their talk, they're in trouble, right? Doesn't matter what they say, they are they are not in alignment. They're not authentic. They they don't have the yeah, they're in contradiction, right? And what? So, so the first thing you correct, you know, we need to role model. We need to walk our talk as leaders. Uh, the second part to it, though, is recognizing. I think it was a Zen, some kind of a Zen book I read. I think it was the Zen of leadership. One of the early books I read one time, how to lead without leading. And I go, what do you mean? I, again, those Zen columns, lead without leading. What, what does that mean? Well, the truth is, yeah, the, the measure of a leader they were saying is not how charismatic or how wonderful they look on television or whatever, but it's more how many leaders have they created in their path. So, so, so great leaders create thousands, hundreds of thousands of leaders behind them. Right? And, uh, egotistical leaders think they are the only leader in the company. Right. So then distributive leadership is more, how can you distributive the function of leadership that everybody is a leader at some level or another? How do you even think that way? It's like, I have a, I have 100 people in the company. No, I don't have 100 employees, I have 100 leaders. Right. They, they don't recognize themselves as leaders yet, but my intention is to create 100 leaders out of this company. Yeah. Wow, right? Now we have, instead of one guy thinking and 99 guys doing, we have a hundred people thinking, right? And a hundred people doing. The performance goes through the roof. All of a sudden, it's not, uh, Dad, no, can you go and clean my room? Can you help me with that? Can you help me do this, this? It's, it's, it's like, no, Dad taught the, the kid to be self-independent, owner, or leader of, their, of his own bedroom. At least the bedroom, okay, might not take care of the house. But at least his territory, he takes care. So in other words, he becomes the CEO of his area of responsibility. He's still a, like he could be a, a, a cleaner within a, you know, he does does toilet cleanings in, 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 in the office building, but he is the boss of the cleaning department. And if the customers don't like it, he gets fired, right? So he's driven by the customer 
And yeah, he might be paid as an employee, but he needs to think of himself as an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. How do you get how do you get to do that in a company where today, if you honestly look at it, there's only like two or three people think at the top, two or three people are strategic, two or three people bring in most of the work, particularly in small companies. Yeah, I there's mean not, that's the reality. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and then the rest are going, that you know, okay, you bring me a project, I'll do a good job. I go really like I'm facing right now some companies to be honest I have a company of 100 people and the C and the owner says listen guys I can't do it anymore like I can't I can't bring I can't feed you all right what if we're gonna to go to 200 people you expect me to, to do twice as many customers and I'm running a company I'm doing projects I'm doing everything and you want me, no you got why don't you go and bring your own projects what I'm an engineer I don't go and do selling what no you know go and get yourself a salesman where is the leadership just gone yeah. right so and I, and I say to the CEO whose fault do you think this is and he goes their fault I go no it's your fault I go why because you brought them up that way is the kids you, you did it for them all their life and then you expect them to change that's how they're conditioned yeah they're conditioned that way you brought them up you created a system for for them to be disabled right <laughs> And he goes, no. no it's kind of like people could say that about, I mean, the school system. I can't speak for over in Europe, but definitely in the United States, there's always, you know, questions to how our, our the schooling, how we we groom people to be employees, not leaders. Exactly. Yeah, we condition to them. We can, we we give them uh, tests to test. They don't think. They just go, oh, as long as I pass the test, I was a professor for a while, you know. Uh, excuse me. I go. Yeah. What question do you have? How do I pass this test? I go. Wrong question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can. There are people can memorize. Doesn't mean they 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 understand it and can implement it. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I'll give you. I mean, I was a professor. I had 100, 140 students in each class, eight classes. So a lot, a thousand almost people, right? So my disruptive. Thank you for that disruptive leadership. Was I walked into a classroom one day and I said, "This is not happening." They're just here to pass the test. They're, they're falling asleep, right? I said, guys, no more tests. The tests are abandoned. And they go, what? what? Well, how am I going to pass this class? He goes, okay, I'm setting a project. And the project is, what am I passionate about? I was teaching marketing and business management. So what am I passionate in marketing? And you have to choose your own passion. And you have to go and research it yourself. And then you have to set your own standard for passing the passing the this this this, this project, right? And then I'll evaluate it. We'll agree together if it's a good standard, and I'll uh, you know I'll still help you design. You go. What do you mean? I set my own standard for passing a project. Like, and what do you mean? I have to choose my own topic of interest. Like, what are you talking about? Where is the book that I need to read? I go. There's no books. Uh, and they and then it was a revolt. They all went crazy on me. They complained to the to the head of department. They walked out and they said, "This guy is creating a riot, right? He's not giving us uh, the standard stuff to pass the test." I said, "Why are you here, guys?" So the next question, I said, "Why are you here?" Anybody here who absolutely loves marketing, like business to business marketing, hands up. It was like out of 140, maybe three hands. I go, God, are you serious? Like, you, what are you here then for? He says, I cook, oh, well, I need more points, so I thought marketing would be a good one. Uh, my dad actually paid for the course. Um, <laughs> my boss said, I need a marketing certificate. <laughs> I, I said, anybody here loves marketing? 
silence. I go, guys, we have a problem. We have 137 students here who don't care for the subject, yeah. right? How can I be? A, how can you be a leader when you don't care for the subject? Yeah. Um, and I said, well, what are we supposed to do? I said, well, half of you got to go. The other half have to find some kind of your own passion. But then I realized we already conditioned them. This is what this was like 18 year old to 24 year olds. We yeah. already conditioned them by that stage just to kind of come in with, you know, and pass this, the test, you know? And I said, we have a problem because these kids are now in, a, in, in our organizations and they're 30% engaged and 70% disengaged. And as a business manager, you know, I, I manage large companies as well. 70% of my money is going nowhere. Right, I'm only getting thirty percent on a dollar out of my people. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it's so so true. I mean, and and how do we break these? The break that conditioning, Vitaly. It's not always an easy thing to do, but but it's it's one person at a time. So that distributive model that you're talking about, that if people can now you know be responsible for themselves first, then be that example for others, because we can't give what we don't have. Exactly. Like, so it's, it, I'm not saying it's easy, right? But I don't think it's going to happen in the new in the new organization where we have, particularly millennials. If you cannot, if you don't know how to engage them into a, into a leadership, into an ownership mindset, you're kind of in trouble as an organization. Doesn't matter what you do, then it's not going to work because they have to execute it ultimately. What you do. Got it. Got it. Now, what would you advise now with companies that you know that are you know showing that they're open-minded? or at least for, starting to show signs for the first time that they're open-minded by adopting a living organization. What Can you give us an idea of what that process looks like? What is the first steps? How long, you know, how long do, does it take to start seeing some, some of the evidence in terms of how the living organization is now helping them to move forward? Sure, good practical. I, I, thank you for asking me. It's a practical question. Okay, so let's say you did assume. Oh, I get it. I need to. I need to turn my people into um, into leaders. I need to turn. I need. Oh, they need to think for themselves. The first thing I believe is, is you need a shift of, of paradigm. You need a shift of how you think about the organization. Right now, we think organizations are more like kind of machines you program. You know, I'm the, the smartest guy in a bunch of executives and I design the, the master plan, the business plan, the strategic plan, the whatever plan, and they go on it and implement it. It's the same like I build the book, right? The book, and then you have to go and pass the test. It's the old disengaged model, right? What if we thought about that organization itself is, is, is a living being, right? It is itself a unique living being even you know, not just each person is being, but organization. And it has a certain destiny to fulfill. It has a certain uh, purpose for being, right? It has its own style of operation, it has its own personality, right? Did you know, like, I don't know if you've seen that at Microsoft versus uh, Mac. And the, and the Mac is like casual, relaxed, sitting there, and Microsoft is all buttoned up sitting there, right? Different personality, right? Yeah. So that's the, the beginning is like, oh, my company is like this. It's an introvert. It's technically focused. It doesn't like going out there. It, you know, it's, so, so I understand my company is a living being, but the environment is shifting. I need to have much more leadership, much more proactive, much more customer interaction, much more innovative thinking. Right? I can't have the, the nerd. Yeah. 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 The, the, the nerd era is over, right? right? They're, they're all sitting in their bedroom trying yeah, to design yeah. things, right? Right. I, I need communicative people who can communicate between each other, who can listen to customers, identify new projects and so on. Right. 
So, so you say, wow, but how am I going to shift from there to there? Well, yes, it does take time, right? And the fortunate thing is if you have a small organization, it will take much less time, right? If you have five people, I can do it in three months, right? If you have a hundred people, maybe it's going to take a year, right? If you have 500 people, it might take a few years. But this is the kind of the time frames if you're 100% committed, right? Because, you know, you can say, it's like studying a subject. You can say, how long is it going to take to become a great radio host? How much are you committed, right? How many hours are you willing like to you said, it, It's the commitment, that discipline and that commitment and that consistency every day. Exactly. And how many hours are you willing to, how much resources are you willing to commit, right? So if, if, if some organizations say, you know, we want to take it slow, and that's, by the way, that's also fine, okay? You know, okay, it might take three, four years, right? Some say, listen, this is a priority number one. I need to shift my organization towards, uh, you know, where everybody's a thinker, everybody's an entrepreneur. I want a living organism that's adaptive to the environment. I don't want anymore to be the only guy thinking. Then, you know, within six months, you'll see some solid results, you know, and we will start by with the executive team first, right? We will put them through training. We will, we will, we will find out where the gap is between where they are and where they want to go. Right. As, as a living organization, there is always a gap. We will measure their um, capabilities, their maturity level, right? the systems that supporting that. So we, we have a pretty holistic system. And we will be able to tell you is that, listen, given that where you are in, in terms of your leadership capabilities, your systems capability, your, your uh, marketing and sales capabilities, etc., your culture, right? you will need X amount of time to get there, right? And then we'll design small chunks. It's not going to be one, but like sprints. We call them developmental sprints, where we will take three months, 90 days, and we will maybe fix the marketing system. Then we'll take 90 days, maybe we'll develop a strategy, a sales strategy. Another 90 days and we'll de develop, a, um, before you know it, having three or four sprints. Each sprint delivers very clear results by the end of 90 days, right? Like each project. Uh, you will see every th every 90 days very clear performance results, right? And, th and that's how you build it is bit, is bit by bit, right? Bit by bit. I like that. That's a that's a process, like you said. I it's mean, a process. It, yeah, yeah. Like if you that. try to do it too fast, if you try to do to do everything in one go, it's always too much for people, too much disruptions, right? So you usually start where it's the hurts the most, right? Maybe for you, it's the marketing system. Maybe it's for you, it's, it's, you know, your leader, your your departments are siloed. They're not talking to each other, right? So it depends where each each company is different, right? Each because it's a unique living being, right? So they have different weaknesses. Makes sense. Makes sense. When you're looking at this process, and it's it's one one step at a time. Would it be say like if we were working one person at a time, but you know, working in smaller groups and then doing it that way, not trying to, we're not trying to work everybody at the same time, because obviously that could be very difficult, you know, to manage, but, but kind of showing, working in smaller, smaller groups, and then working from there as it spreads outward. It depends, right? Yeah. It depends. Like I have companies that say, uh, now please don't touch our whole company. You know, I don't want to just disrupt my cash flow. Thank you very much. You know, just go and I have this, uh, this outcasts in Australia, you know, go, I have a little team there, go and start with them. And if, if, if it works there, then we'll go to the headquarters. Sometimes it's a good safe bet, right? You start with a small project. Other times I have a company that came to me and says, Vitaly, I have a hundred people. I want to start at the top. I want to, I want to shift the narrative, the story of the company. 
I don't want to start anyway on outskirts. I want to start with my top executive team because if they don't buy into it, we have no help, hope in hell to change the rest of the company. So with them, I brought in all the executives in one room. We said, guys, we need to be more adaptive. We need to be more customer focused. We need to build more leadership, more disruptive leadership, right? Um, we're not thinking on our feet. We're doing, we're doing too much, you know, status quo. How can we do that, right? It's actually the specific example is we only had one salesperson. That's the CEO in this company, right? And he said, are you kidding me? I can't, I can't do that anymore. I can't bring in our projects. So we developed this new concept called crowd selling, right? We're going to sell as a crowd, right? not, not as just individual. Not, individuals will sell, but we're going to sell together. And everybody's response, all executives, uh, they're like the CTO will speak to the CTO in the company. The marketing person can speak. To so we're going to kind of have a gang approach. It's like, I don't know if you're hunting the dinosaur. You, yeah. You know, uh, right. Together as a team. Right? Yeah. So no, I, li I like that concept. I like it. Yeah. So it's crowd selling. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely some really great points in what you illustrated there in the process. And I think this is so important more than ever in this in this period of where we are in business and just in life in general and and like you said like it's if it's a living organization things are going to evolve nothing's going to become that it's just going to be the same it's going to evolve and there's going to be some mistakes and obstacles along the way that's all part of it but if without them we can't we can't grow without obstacles can can you share some more insight to that you, you actually mentioned the magic word, right? Most people want to create revolutions in organizations, right? We want to create evolutions. Yes. Step by step, very small steps. I once I once spoke to um, an executive and he, he took over a very large uh, energy company. Energy companies are not known for their like super fast movement, right? They're, they're like very like government, right? And and But he had to turn it around because they were a lot losing money like left, right and stuff. I said, how are you going to do this? This is like a hundred years old energy company. Everybody is very comfortable there. They have pensions, they have unions. He said, you know, Vitaly, but I'm gonna have hundreds, little steps at a time. First, I'm gonna change the performance system a little bit. Then I'm gonna adjust this. Then I'm gonna adjust this. Then I'm gonna adjust this, but I'm not gonna stop. I'm gonna keep doing it a little bit at a time in micro adjustments and fine tunements. I know they can't handle too much revolution. They're gonna go crazy on me, but, but, but it's kind of like cooking the frog. You know, uh, I hate that example because <laughs> animal, 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 animal people like go crazy. Okay, okay, let's throw out a bad example. <laughs> no, I get it. We get it. It's like it's yeah. like Brian Trey eat, eat the frog. You know, it's you know it's the term <laughs> we used to use. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just like adjustment, small adjustment, but very consistent adjustment. And the other thing is, we the main thing is not to scare the people into like because um, we call it change management, which I hate that word, right? But we need to acknowledge that people also resist this kind of because they don't understand why we're doing it, how it's going to affect them and so on. Right. So if you introduce too much change too soon, um, yeah, it can backfire on you. Plus, yeah. it creates disruption to your cash flow. And then all of a sudden, instead of going forward, you're just losing money. And if you start losing money, the board of directors is going to come in and shut you down yeah. the whole project. Right. So we want to keep the cash flow going. Right. Um, and we, what we want to do is improve the cash flow and not just reduce the cash flow, right? So we're going to choose very strategically which projects we do first, right? Um, and I like to start very often at the sales end because if I can improve the sales leadership styles, 
it's going to bring more money and it's going to signal to the management and the, the board of directors, ooh, we can make more profits, we can make more revenue this way. The living organization is profitable. When you, when you signal that, they go, oh, I'm listening, I'm listening, right? Because money talks. And then, of course, when they see, oh, but we also have to change our attitudes. But, but you know what I mean? I don't want to start oh, yeah. with something that's, not, that's only going to create havoc. I want to start with a positive financial situation. No, absolutely. This is uh, great information. And I, you know, I definitely would like to expand on this. And I know you got more to share, but we only have a few minutes left in the show. But I wanted to see if you could leave the audience with really like a, just an impact statement or like just, a you know, in, in 20 seconds, something that can really get them to embrace this concept of distributive leadership and leading in a living organization. Okay, maybe what's coming to me is a, is a 10 year old study or 15 years of study course. I think it's called Firms of Endearment. Firms of Endearment. It's, it's, it's a long study, a longitudinal study of companies, I think S&P 500, who outperform the top performers on the stock exchange, right? Because a lot of people are saying, oh, is this really work? Does this really work? Well, they found over 10 years that companies that truly build living organizations, right? These are public companies, these are not private, although, you know, they're big companies. They outperformed an average, uh, an average company by, I think, a ratio of 12 to 1. They were more, they, 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 their shares rose much quicker, right? Yeah. By all metrics, when we measure now living organizations, they are more adaptive, right? They are more profitable. They live longer, right? As an organization, because a lot of organizations are dying, literally are dying because of because of disruptions in technology and so on. And so, I don't see any. Actually, I don't even see any other other way. If you want to keep an organization that is a high-performing, sustainable organization into the future, you need to adopt at least some of this. I'm not saying all of it, but at least some of this. Yeah. Powerful stuff, Fideli. Thank you. And I know we want to have you back on for round two for this to kind of expand on this. But how can the audience get to know you better, what you're up to, and anything you like to share with them? Uh, quantumleaders.com. So, you know, because we're talking about quantum paradigm here, shift, a quantum shift in how we run organizations. So quantumleaders.com, you can download a white paper right there. When you get to the top, there's a button, download white paper, it's free, and then read about it. It's very, fairly comprehensive, and it's a good start to get to know us. Wow, well, we highly encourage everybody to reach out to Vitaly and Quantum Leaders here. This is fantastic information. I hope everyone got some great value. And those that will be listening later, again, take advantage of that and reach out to Vitaly on LinkedIn. We'll provide all that information also here in the show notes. Vitaly, thank you so much for taking the time today to share with us your insights to distributive leadership or what I mentioned, disruptive, because I think that's a good thing, and how to lead in a living organization. Thank you so much for your time today. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Chris. Thank you listeners for joining us each and every week here at Business Influencers. We're committed again to bringing subject matter experts like Vitaly in to share their words of wisdom and insights to take your level of influence in business to the next level. Till then everybody have a great rest of your week and we'll see you next week. You have just listened to Tall Radio Podcast. For more podcasts, visit www.touchalife.org.